Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Hokie Nation? And welcome into this edition of TSL Today. We record on Monday, May 1st, 2023 from the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. And man, we have a great show planned out for you today. Hokies lose two of three on the baseball diamond to North Carolina over the weekend and take two of three from number six Clemson on the softball diamond here in Blacksburg. All that and much more coming up on this edition of TSL Today, which starts right now. We welcome you back to this edition of TSL Today. This edition of TSL Today, like always, sponsored by Triumph NIL. Triumph NIL, recruit, retain, reward. We appreciate Triumph NIL's partnership with both TSL and TSL Today. All right, guys. Well, I think some introductions are in order. Across the way is our Hokie baseball guru, our Virginia Tech baseball beat writer, Chris Hirons. Immediately to my right, Giovanni Heater hopping on today. He called the Friday victory over North Carolina, and I'm your host, Carter Hill. Well, Chris, let's start with you. Tech loses two of three to North Carolina over the weekend. How would you describe what took place at English Field this weekend? Um, I don't know. Describe Friday really went, went really, really well. Mm-hmm. Saturday, not so much. There's my expert analysis. Ah. Uh, but no, I mean, this uh, is why we team- pay him the big bucks, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we do yeah, that. Dude, my TSL stimmy goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Friday, I mean, Friday, uh, Tackle had all the momentum in the world to, um, you know, take the series on Saturday. You just had to win one. They drop them both. Doubleheaders really haven't treated them well uh, at all, really, this year. I think they're one in five in doubleheaders. So, I mean, kind of just went. Didn't go the Hokies way. Well, Gio, before I send it to you, first of all, congrats on going viral, calling the oh, game geez. on Friday. Let's pull up the tweet real fast. I do want to read it off a little bit. There is a Twitter account, for those of you who don't know, who follow Major League Baseball, there is a Twitter account called Cespedes Family Barbecue, who made sure to let the world know that Giovanni Heater was calling North Carolina, Virginia, Zach. He said, elite baseball broadcaster name, holy crap. Uh, tune into North Carolina, Virginia Tech for some Giovanni Heater play-by-play. So congrats on going viral, calling that game. Thanks, man. Uh, I can't take any credit for that. My parents uh, gave me the name that I have. So shout out to Matt and Sandy back in the queues. Um, but I didn't know what Cespedes Family Barbecue was. Um, I'm in the middle of calling the game in like the second inning and Kyle's texting me and my phone's like blown up. He's like, you're going to want to check your Twitter. I still didn't know what it was, but then they had like, 500,000 followers or something like that. And it was getting a bunch of retweets and comments. So that was pretty cool. But again, credit to the ACC ACC network for letting me hop on and uh, to my parents for that one. Well, Tech wins in dominant fashion with a 7-0 victory on Friday, like you alluded to, and a game that lasted just two hours and 15 minutes before falling in both games on Saturday by a final score of 12-8 
and 13-7. to seven. I want to focus on Friday, though, and Anthony Arguez in particular. Really, really good. Seven and a third, five hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. He did not allow a run. Easily his best performance of 2023. No doubt. He was absolutely dialed in on Friday, and he looked at right from the get-go. Started the game with a strikeout. Uh, his moving stuff was really impressive to me. Didn't focus in on the fastball pretty much at all until later in his outing. Um, was actually straying away from it. I talked Andrew Wells is who mm -hmm. I called the game with. Fantastic analyst, former tech pitcher uh, from 2002 to 2008. A lot of knowledge in, in pitching in particular, obviously. And we were both surprised to see him... Um, not use the fastball barely at all, especially wasn't using it on his first pitches. But then when he did, guys were, it was blown right past him because they didn't expect it because he would go at it and he would use it on like a 2-2 a pitch. Then he would blow a fastball past him. And they, at that point throughout the game, most of the time he was using an off speed, using his slider at that point. So to see him work in that fastball, um, started to catch batters by surprise. And he was just dialed. It, it, when he got pulled out, you could tell that he was bummed to get pulled out at first and to see chef give him an ovation like that chef not not he's a great coach not a guy that's going to necessarily go out there and clap for his own player yeah uh, just that's not really his mo um so to see him do that said a lot well chris how much of a boost can that be if Anthony Arguez continues to be that guy. Really good this weekend. And after that rough start against Florida State, went about six scoreless in the win in Tallahassee. How much of a boost can he be if he continues to pitch that well? I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean, he was he was fantastic and fantastic again this week. You know, I think he's really kind of become the guy that Tech thought he was going to be. Um, before the season, uh, Chef said he, he was that Arguez is probably the, the most excited transfer. Um, he was to watch. Chef was excited, most excited to watch uh, Arguez as like the transfer, um, you know, to watch him pitch and watch him work. Um, and I think you know he's he's kind of just blossomed into what Tech really thought he was going to be coming into the season. Yeah, well, he he earned that Sunday starter role for a reason, and luckily it's paying dividends for the Hokies right now. Brady Kurtner in inning and two thirds scoreless to slam the door. Offensively, quite the day for David Bryant, two for three with a two run homer and three RBIs, and then Brody Donay and Christian Martin went yard as well. Yeah, it was it was that insurance that they needed towards the end. I mean, I guess it showed that they didn't end up needing it, but it really felt like the nail in the coffin at that point uh, to see those two solo shots go over the wall. Um, Donay had a pretty nice game as well. He's been really hot. He was pretty good against Florida State. Went 6-for-12 overall against the Seminoles up in Tallahassee, so to see him kind of carry that over, uh, at least into Friday's game, uh, was a good thing to see with that solo, solo shot. Well, flipping to Saturday now, for whatever reason, Chris, it just seems like Virginia Tech has struggled in doubleheaders all year long. Are they 1-7 now, I believe, in doubleheaders this year? Uh, two in Miami, lost the, both of those. Lost both of a or split one with Duke. Lost both to Boston College and then lost both yesterday. So I guess that would be one and seven now. Yeah, yeah, one, one and seven. seven. So it just yeah. seems like the Hokies just have trouble when they lace them up for double yeah. headers. Yeah, and I've asked, I asked Chef the other night. I was like, how much has you know the double headers and the weather kind of impacted you guys? You know, you have every team has to deal with the weather. Um, throughout the season, but it seems like the Hokies have kind of, you know, got the short end. Black short weather? Stick. Yeah. Well, he said before he doesn't like, he, he'd prefer no. not to play a double yeah. header. Oh, nobody does. I think nobody most does. coaches would feel that way, but he in particular will do pretty much anything in his power to avoid the double header. Yeah, you go back to that Virginia series, the Friday game, uh, the, the rain came down pretty hard for the first five innings. Tech really didn't play that well. Hackenberg gave up uh, seven, eight runs, and then they, ended, they actually won that back half of that ball game um, and from like the fifth inning on, but 
you know, and that's and I think that's why they kind of played that that Friday game instead of doing a doubleheader on Saturday or a doubleheader on Sunday for Virginia a series that they won. Um, I think really the Sunday re- that the fact that Tech didn't get that Sunday reset after dropping that the sat- the first Saturday game, you know, really really hurt him in the end. Well, and they probably could have played Sunday too. Softball ended up playing on Sunday, just pushing back the start time. They lose game one, 12 to three. They strike first for three in the first. They go up three, nothing. They give up 12 unanswered runs. And although they eventually got the tie and run of the plate, just never could really come all the way back. And, and Drew Hackenberg really wasn't himself on the mound. Yeah. I mean, but it, it's, it hurts. You can't really win a baseball game when you give up a grand slam and a three run homer in the next inning. Uh, that's yeah. tough, but you know, I thought I thought it was pretty. I thought it showed it showed pretty good that the Hokies, you know, they battled back in mm-hmm. the fifth inning. And then, how about Peter Sacularis, man? Yeah, I mean, did yeah. you? I didn't have five and a third innings from Sha- from Sacularis, not just pitching well, but he shoved. He struck out Mac Horvath twice, who homered four times on Saturday. <laughs> uh, got him to fly out. He went over three, but I mean, Sacularis, you know, he's a guy who really like, tops out about eighty miles an hour. Kind of throws a funky sidearm, submarine style. Um, you know, it doesn't really throw super hard, but has some good break and, you know, but I really didn't have, you know, that on my bingo card going into Saturday. Yes. They just were never able to adjust to the speed. You know, you're yeah. hitting at that point, 83, 84 from down under, it's a little bit different, you know, a little bit different of a look. And I guess they just were never able to adjust really offensively. Well, well and thank goodness, because at that point it was getting real rough and the pen was getting real thin with a whole other game to play. Yeah. I mean, you were at a point where. I mean, I'd have to look at the names, and I also don't like to call guys out, but there was a couple of guys that didn't even record a third of an inning mm-hmm. um, just because the struggles were there once Hack got pulled out. So, Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if UNC didn't have, you know, it didn't prepare Sackler since he doesn't really pitch uh, on weekends, but, you know, I mean, I thought he did really, really well. Well, especially, too, when you don't have Griffin Green this weekend and you're playing a game literally 45 minutes after game one comes to a close. You really need your bullets out of the bullpen, so a nice job from Peter Sacalaris. Carson Demartini, two for six with three RBIs in game one. I mentioned it. Tech actually got the tie and run of the plate in the form of Garrick Ebel in the bottom of the ninth, but just could not come through. On to the Saturday night matinee. Before we get into the game itself, I know you were there covering the game. I believe you were watching at the time. I had just arrived at at English Field. I do want to talk about the little skirmish, if you will, in the first inning. So just to preface it, for those who missed it, so Carson Demartini in the bottom of the first goes yard, a no-doubt bomb to right center field. He crosses home plate, says something, turns to the North Carolina dugout, and yells something their way. Tomas Frick, the starting catcher for the Tar Heels, didn't like that at all, took exception, followed Demartini back to the dugout. John Shefton comes out of the dugout, says something very vigorously to Tomas Frick behind the plate, and Scott Forbes, North Carolina's head coach, comes charging out of their dugout and runs about probably 40 feet across the field to the H and the Hokies logo behind home plate and creates this whole, I don't want to say benches clearing, but this little skirmish here at English Field. Yeah, Frick looked like uh, Frick looked like when D. Connor eats the rest of Marshak's pasta, and that's Marshak's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good analogy. Kyle liked that one. I would be upset. <laughs> uh, I mean, I... It was kind of a heated moment type of thing. Um, I mean, obviously, a, a bench isn't going to like it when you kind of turn um, and yell, you know, and, and yell at them, and it, which what Carson did. But that's like the way, you know, Carson plays. Um, personally, I really like baseball players that play that way. I think, you know, it adds, adds some flair to the game, adds some emotion. Um, 
maybe Rob Manfred at the MLB level doesn't like it. Yeah, but, no. you know, I, but, you know, it's, it's good to see that some emotion. People really, really care about the game. And then Tomas Frick kind of not retaliated, but said something to, to Carson. And, you know, it was kind of on from there. You know, no punches were thrown. No one really got close to each other. But, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was bigger than um, most first innings were. It, it continued, too, throughout the game. Like, his next at-bat, Carson worked a walk, and then he, like, stuck his tongue out. and went like, Literally, yeah. that's what he did. Like, he was five to, uh, to Frick when he was making the trot. Like, he trotted backwards to first and did that. And it was just like, so he was giving it back. Frick kind of got the last laugh. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he hit a homer? Yeah, he homered yeah, and he singled. Yeah. Now, Martini homered again, too. Yeah. But no, he homered goes, again? Yeah, okay. homered twice. Because I know he had twice. homered before. Well, I know your your Twitter video has over 200,000 views on Twitter, which is which is awesome. But I'm almost like, it's one of those things where this was kind of a big deal in the moment, but probably didn't need to be this huge national big deal. But that's how things play out sometimes. We got some fireworks literally after the game, but we got some fireworks at Baseball Saturday and then at softball on Saturday, too. We'll get to that in the second segment. What went wrong for the Hokies, though, in Game 3? They end up, you know, they take the early lead, the Martini solo shot, Chris Canizero goes yard, gives Tech the 2-1 advantage, and, you know, the Tar Heels, they put up a 5-spot the rest of the way, and they continue to add on throughout and just never really went the Hokies' way from there. I mean, it's really tough to win when you walk 11, 12 guys in, in, in any night, and that's exactly what Tech did. I think Tech and UNC combined for... A total of 40 walks on Saturday in both games. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's a lot of walks, and neither team's going to, you know, you're not going to win. That's I mean, that's why UNC gave up seven runs in the second game, and what was it, eight in the first game or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why UNC gave a lot of runs too, but, you know, Tech, Tech walked so many people, especially in the second game, that, you know, that's why UNC scored those many runs. And then, you know, you get another two homers from Mac Horvath. Um, Tomas Frick goes deep again, like – I mean, it's just, it's tough when you walk that many people and give up home runs. Well, Max Horvath, I'm pulling up box score right now. That big three-run homer, which occurred in the six, was when Tech had closed the gap to five to three, and there was a drop behind home plate that was an E2, and Horvath ends up going yard a couple hitters later. It's three unearned runs. It's it's a three-run shot, and it gives Carolina an 8-3 lead that they never really, you know, turn back from there. Is Jonah Herney still kind of the guy for that Sunday spot? You know, you're still without Griffin Green. Where do you go from here? I know the Hokies need to go the bullpen game route, but do you continue to go with Jonah Herney in that spot the rest of the way? I think so. Jonah's been pretty pretty good uh, in the Sunday role. I know he threw the three innings against Florida State through, was it two innings? Yeah, two two and a third mm-hmm. um, against um, North Carolina. I thought, I thought Jonah's been pretty, pretty good in that spot on Sundays. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a bullpen game, bullpen game on Sunday, so that's why, you know, you have to ride Arguez for as long as you want, and then Hackenberg, and, you know, when you can't get six, seven innings out of Hackenberg, that's when it really, really starts to hurt, and if you can't get anywhere between five and seven out of Arguez, that's when, you know, you know, that Sunday game, you know, it, it's tough, but Tech had just about every available arm. It just kind of just didn't go their way. Well, one thing that still kind of looms over the Hokies the rest of the way is obviously the status of Griffin Green, the status of Jack Curley. Obviously didn't see Green this weekend. Jack Curley did not appear in either of the three games. Do you have, I ask, I ask you this every single week, but do you have any, any update on any of them when we could see them again and potentially if they could come back at some point this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the team got Griffin Green's MRI back. Uh, you know, they're still going to go do more additional testing, um, see if there's anything there. Um, but, you know, Chef has said, you know, they'll see him back at some point. It's just a matter of when. 
Um, and then Jack, Jack bruised his finger, didn't play this weekend. It's kind of more of a pain tolerance thing is what I've been told. Um, so he's and he, they're aiming to get him back by Clemson. Clemson. Two weeks. Two weeks, now. yeah. Two They'll have Bowling now. Green next weekend and then uh, Clemson the weekend after. The next ACC series, which of course is ever so crucial. Last one for you. We close out every single week with this as well. It's very generic, but at this point, we talked about a couple weeks ago the possibility of Virginia Tech still hosting. It was slim. That seems kind of out the window at this point unless crazier things happen. But where do they stand overall? I mean, they're kind of teeter-tottering on that 2-3 line. It seems like they've maybe fallen to the 3. They're currently, I believe, projected to be or slated to be the 9 seed in Durham for the ACC tournament. Where do you see them falling in postseason play at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think... So going into the last weekend, UNC was uh, in the first five out on D1's baseball. Tech was the last five in. So I think those teams have kind of flip-flopped now. Tech is kind of, you know, the first team on the wrong side of the bubble. So, I mean, again, I think you have to, for Tech, they have to take, you know, pretty much all of their non-conference games the rest of the way and then win the series uh, against Clemson and then take at least one at Wake. And, you know, Peter Sackler has put it really, put it really, really well. You know, the team has broken down the analytics um, we talked to him after the the Saturday game, and he said ninety percent of teams that have a winning record that that are at five hundred or have a winning record in the ACC or the SEC have a ninety percent chance of getting in the postseason. Teams that are at five hundred, one or two games below five hundred, have a ten percent chance of making it to the NCAA tournament. Okay, so that's kind of the way things stand. I think Tech's the their biggest thing is that they have to either get at five hundred or you know go a game over five hundred, and they're sitting a game below 500 at 11 and 12 right now. And, and I was going to say, just to be transparent, Virginia Tech, 25 and 16 overall, 11 and 12 in conference play. So just to clarify, you think right now Virginia Tech is on the outside of the NCAA tournament picture. Now, just barely, but you think they're on the outside right now. I think it could be tossed up depending on who you're asking. I mean, I think D1 Baseball would say um, they might be on the outside after this weekend, but they did have, you know, kind of a dominating one on Friday, but... I think the fact that they got swept on Saturday really hurt them. Yeah. Um, if you ask a few more publications, like Baseball America, maybe Baseball America has them in. Um, I think Tech, it, just, it really just depends on who you ask, you know, uh, which side of the bubble they're on. Um, if you ask me, you know, they were kind of the, they were the last at-large team in D1 Baseball's projection the, um, the other day. Um, and so I think they're probably the first team the first team that's on the wrong side of the bubble. So, I mean, obviously, you know, they have a few good weeks. You know, they could lock themselves into the tournament. Well, just to, just to kind of focus on this, Hokies finish up. Tomorrow they get a Charleston. They face off against Marshall, who actually is playing their home games about an hour south this year on 64. It's a two-game set. They're in Charleston tomorrow in Blacksburg Wednesday, a three-game set with Bowling Green this weekend. It's a doubleheader Saturday, though. Then they go to Liberty, three-game set with Clemson, go to JMU, and then finish up with Wake Forest. So still plenty of opportunities for Virginia Tech. You feel like they're going to be in. I feel like they're going to be okay. But, I think so, too. But, yeah, you, you obviously got to finish sharp and finish strong. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing about it when you look at this schedule. The opportunities could not be more plentiful. Obviously, you got to take care of business in the non-conference. Clemson, no slouch. They were kind of a bubble-type team. Well, they just ended up taking two out of three from Boston College, who was ranked 11th in the country. Huge series win for Clemson over the Eagles. And then Wake Forest, the number two team in the country. I don't think you could pick two better teams to have an opportunity against down the home stretch of this season as far as really bolstering your resume a little bit. If you can take two from Wake, now that's a tall task. Yeah. But if you could, 
at least take a game. You, that, that'll help things along. And if you can win that series against Clemson, I think you're helping yourself. So you have two good teams to close out, which which helps, no doubt. And I think, you know, I think they got a shot, you know, a, a legitimate shot to take two or three from Clemson. I think they got a shot to take one from Wake. I think, you know, they should. I don't know if they'll win the rest of their non-conference games. It's a long bus ride to Liberty, long bus ride to JMU. That kind of sucks in the middle of the week. But but I don't know not, if I categorize that as long. <laughs> I mean, two hours still. I mean, it's still two yeah. hours on a bus. No, but I understand I mean, your point. I understand. I mean, point. non-conference away, non-conference games, they suck. Like as a baseball player, like they're 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 tough, especially to get up for. Um, but you know, I think they they got a shot to go undefeated in the non-conference schedule schedule the rest of the way. They got a shot. You know, they got a legitimate shot to take two, three from Clemson. Clemson, Clemson's good, but. And they're hot, but UVA, you remember, they had two mm-hmm. losses coming into the the the, the series here um, a few weeks ago. Uh, who else? Miami. And, and the thing is, like, their schedule was kind of played the way into their favor the last few weeks. Um, you had – they went down to Miami. They went down to Tallahassee. Um, they, had to go, they had to go to Duke where the rain and the weather kind of sucked. Um, but, you know, I think the – I think the – the weather and I think there's the schedule at least for Clemson I think it's really kind of played in their favor next weekend well you got to think Marshall's not having a good year you can maybe win both those games I don't know how Bowling Green is doing but I don't think they're having a great year so maybe you can sweep that series you got to hope to sweep it at least take two hopefully you can go to Lynchburg and get that Liberty game back you know they took place in Blacksburg a couple weeks ago you got to think you're in a good position I know Clemson's won something like eight of nine in conference play you mentioned it they're high they're hot but it's at home. That's why I'm surprised Virginia Tech didn't win that series against North Carolina this past weekend. They're at home. It's an opportunity against the Tigers. You go to JMU. Hopefully you can win that game as well. And then a three-game set in Winston-Salem, it's going to be, like you said, a tall task to win that series. But if you can get one of those games against, in my opinion, the best team in the country, that would be that would be huge. What's coming up on TSL this week from a from a baseball standpoint? Yeah, we'll have the, uh, the Marshall recap uh, from this week on Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And then we'll have uh, all three games covered this weekend. Cool. Sounds good. Well, Chris, Gio, thanks for hopping on. Appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having us, Carter. All right. Well, we appreciate you tuning in. Virginia Tech Baseball, they dropped the series to North Carolina this weekend. Stay tuned, though. Coming up, we're going to talk the Hokies on the softball diamond. They take a series from number six, Clemson. All that's coming up on TSL Today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this edition of TSL Today. In the first segment, we talked Tech Baseball series loss to North Carolina this past weekend. But now, it's time to focus on the softball team. Virginia Tech takes two of three from number six Clemson. And who better to talk about it with than Kyle Marshak across the way, who called all three games for the ACC Network Extra. Kyle, thanks for hopping on. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was only supposed to call the back two, but then the rain delay happened for game one, so they gave me the final five innings of game one on Saturday as well. It was a long weekend, Carter. Poor Bailey Angle. Poor yeah. Bailey Angle. Called the first two innings on Friday, and then you got it the rest of the way. But sometimes that all works out, so it worked yeah. out for you, and you had quite the weekend you know, in the broadcast yeah. booth. I, I had a blast. And, um, you know, before we even dig into it, I, I will say, now Bailey's a nice guy, so no one take this the wrong way. He came in with uh, after game one and said, uh, he was like, I'm not going to lie, Kyle. I'm jealous of you. And him and I had a good joke about that because, uh, yeah, game one was a wild one out of a, a whole series of wackiness. Well, game one certainly was a wild one. And when you look at it, that kind of could be the game in the 2023 season that really gets Virginia Tech softball rolling. Now, it was the final regular season series of the year, but you're down for nothing. 
against the number six team in the country who started the year 37 and one, no less. Okay. They're down for nothing. They put up a five spot in the seventh, aided by a three run walk off bomb off the bat of Cameron Fagan to take game one and really take all the momentum early on in the series. It was unbelievable. I think you can talk about that game in particular, or you can talk about the series as a whole, look back at it and say, if you want to think of one sequence of softball from Virginia Tech this year, that is the series that will be remembered for a very long time. And if you look back at the series as a whole as well, I said it a few times in the broadcast, and I'm very, very confident in this. I think this is the beginning of a great ACC rivalry in softball because mm. these teams after this series, the way it went to, uh, you know, it being split two one Hokies, they do not like each other. And uh, you'll, you'll touch on why a little yeah. bit more in the series. Well, too. I do want to preface it with this before we move on. I think we did a poor job in the open talking about this just for those who missed it. Virginia Tech and Clemson played the first two innings of game one on Friday we then go in. We then go into a weather delay that lasted, I want to say, like three hours and fifteen minutes. We're all sitting through it, waiting for them to play. They're finally ready to play. It was supposed to be an eight o'clock first pitch. Okay, the Hokies are about to take the field. We're about to pick up in the top of the third. It was scoreless between Tech and Clemson. Tech is about to take the field. The umpires then gather with Pete Moore and John Rittman, the Clemson head coach, and right center field, and point out some standing water. And John Rittman, if you're watching, I'll look into the camera right now, he motioned to the Clemson dugout like the axe, like, oh, we're not playing. So he, if you're listening, kind of raised his right hand and slashed it across his throat saying, okay, we're done, we're not going to play. Pete DeMore, I don't want to say arguing, but was going back and forth with the umpires about, okay, we sat through a three and a half hour delay to not play. So we had, Nick Brown and I, we had just gone back on the air calling the game for Learfield. And boom, we're done. So we pick back up at 2 o'clock the following day. Again, Virginia Tech down 4 nothing. They come back. They win that ball game 5-4. And then they start game 2 30 minutes later. And it seemed like all the momentum carried over, especially after what happened in the first inning. I mean, just what a wild day of softball. This is... You know, I do not want to make it personal because it's not about me, but it's so ironic that the as a young man now, I'm only a sophomore. The the few broadcasts I've gotten on the network have been so wacky and I'm not yeah. complaining. Honestly, if anything, I'm I am very happy about it because it makes it so darn fun, which is it, it is every time. You know, I called baseball, had two uh, two rain delays and umpire got injured, which you never like to see. It was just a whole lot of wackiness. In that baseball. was that Georgia Tech game. Georgia Tech Blues game. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, of course, we get softball. I pick up the back half of a rain delay. And like I said, there was a lot more that happened. But in game one alone, I'll, I'll give you the chronology. I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Original start time for game one on Friday was 6 p.m. Got pushed to four for rain. They go through two innings. As you said, long rain delay. Eventually, they call it 8 o'clock. We resume play. Two innings flat into the game. So the Hokies take the field. We have five innings of softball left to play. That ended up being the best five innings of softball I've ever gotten a call. And it was an unbelievable finish to game one. And like you said, the momentum carried over. Cam Fagan's walk-off was unbelievable. I mean, that was awesome. Storybook. That's what Rain and I were saying on the broadcast. The way that they were down 4 Shout nothing. out Rain Wilson. Shout out Rain. We, we miss you, Rain. It was nice working with you this year. Um, she took the long trip back down to North Carolina after all that. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean... We've seen it a couple times. Yeah. But how many times have you seen it in particular where softball is down 4 nothing in the seventh and they have a storybook comeback? I mean, 
they just came running back. And guess what? The walk-off came with two outs, too, which was awesome. Well, and I, again, we're hammering this point home a little bit too much, but at the same time, like, what? I mean, oh my gosh. Holy moly. Yeah, before we move on to game two, let's go through actually the bottom of the seventh, because I was actually talking to Rain, Rain Wilson, by the way, who was your analyst on the ACC Network this past weekend. She played at Duke, so she has obviously a a large, yeah, look at, pull pull out your scorebook. Um, She has a... Yes, yes, yes. She has a, a, a pretty well-rounded understanding for the game of softball, of course. Started her career at JMU, transferred to Duke, played in the ACC. And she talked to me about how that was a coaching masterclass by Pete DeMore in the seventh. I mean, 100%. Press all the right buttons. So Valerie Cagle, who is essentially the Shohei Otani away from Anaheim in the sport of softball. And yes, there are more players in college softball that are two ways. But she coming into the series essentially was hitting 500, and she had an ERA that was close to sub-1. She led the team with 18 homers, 53 RBIs. She comes back out. She's throwing a scoreless six innings. She's thrown a scoreless six innings thus far. She's cry- she, you know, she's trying to finish off you know, a scoreless ball game. Emma Ritter, infield single to start the frame. Bree Pack, two-run homer, makes it a 4-2 ball game. Kelsey Bennett, grounds out, back to Cagle in the circle. Morgan Overitis then pinch hits for Kylie Aldridge on her senior day. She singles through the left side. Yep. Madison Hansen, or excuse me, Kylie Aldridge then runs for Morgan Overitis. Madison Hansen pinch hits for Tegan Thrunk. She singles through the left side, first and second, one out. Jenna Pearson runs for Madison Hansen. Kelsey Brown strikes out for just the fourth time this year. And then the first pitch, Cameron Fagan, boom, out towards left center field. It just all worked out. It was awesome to see for Virginia Tech. No, Rain was, uh, you know, to a T on that one. That was a coaching masterclass by Pete DeMore. He, like you said, pressed all the right buttons from pinch hitting to pinch runners. Um, and obviously has coached, and you see it throughout the series, coached the team so well with situational base running. Emma Ritter was a dog on the base paths mm. this series. See, she was really good, especially in game three. But yeah, you you had the sequence perfect. And what I love about this is, you know, calling that inning, you could sense the momentum building up, especially with a quick start where Ritter gets through and then pack with a two-run shot. You're like, oh, just like that, the Hokies are back in it. There's no outs yet. Then Bennett grounds out. You're like, all right, they got two outs to work with. I mean, it's still surmountable for sure. So then you get two straight singles. You're like, okay. This is really good. I mean, the tying run is on first base in the form of uh, Maddie Hansen, who, who was sub back on by Thrunk, or did Hansen stay in the base pads? She she was pinch ran for because um, that's Jen, the thing. Jenna Pearson ran for her. Jenna right. Pearson ran for her. First. Tegan the, Thrunk. Uh, that, the, uh, I mean, that is literally a substitution masterclass. Maddie Hansen hit for Tegan Thrunk and then got subbed out on the base pads. Mm. I mean, like he pushed every single button he could possibly push. Brought so, the right girls to the plate, and then when they got on, right. you know, upgraded and in it's speed, so, gave it's, you an opportunity exactly. to score. And it's so ironic that Kelsey Brown strikes out. Um, again, that's a girl where you expect her to get a knock, probably bring in a run there, make it closer. She's not a power bat at all. And then, like you said, she struck out for only the fourth time this season. <laughs> I mean, that tells you how good she's been hitting. And then what does Fagan do? I mean, you wouldn't say a no-doubter, but she hit that ball well. That was awesome in game one. So Hokies win game one, 5-4. You go to game two. It starts just 30 minutes later. And how about this? In the first inning, we're in the top of the first. Fireworks galore, right? Second and third, nobody out. Hokies recording out. Lindsey Grind gets the start, and chaos ensues. So Mackenzie Clark, 
who's on third. There's a chopper back to the circle. Grind fields it, throws home. There's a rundown with Clark in between third and home plate. She's dead to rights. The trail runners are following her. So second and third. And at that point, you know, you just kind of give yourself up. You should probably at least. There's nowhere for you to go. She, and you can watch the video. I, I think this is a fair way to categorize it. I'm curious to get your thoughts. She lowers the shoulder on Jamie Bailey. Yeah. She flew in the air. It was, it was like a free safety hitting a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's and the way to describe it. immediately the fan base is chirping at the fact that Mackenzie Clark should be tossed out of the ball game. Pete DeMore comes out, contests that. Talks with the home plate umpire. Scott Mayer, I believe it was on Saturday. Scott Mayer was the crew chief then, yeah. Okay. And um, so they go look at it. They come back. They toss Mackenzie Clark out of the game. And John Rittman, the Clemson head coach, loses it. Yeah. So, yeah, that that got messy, right? Like you said, pickle on the third baseline, the, the third base path. And a um, couple of throws, I think Tech did a good job of minimizing throws, which is what you want to do on, on a uh, fielding play like that. And... What made the play kind of ascend to, uh, you know, a high octane is the fact that Bennett, when she had the ball chasing Clark down back towards home plate on the second throw, wasn't fast enough to catch Clark. So then she had to kind of throw the ball, flick it late to Jamie Bailey, who came from first base down to home plate to cover the back end of the base path. She's in front of home plate. Balls flicked to her real quick. And this is where what they call rule 9.5 comes into place. Rain. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Rain. Rain's the one that found that. So credit to Rain Wilson. She looked it up. Rain, rule 9.5 on the base pads. The base runner has to make an evident effort to get on base without intentionally making contact with a fielder. So after reviewing, she was thrown out because it appeared that she had lowered her shoulder when still a decent distance away from home plate. So by technicality, she was thrown out. Rain and I were a little more forgiving on the broadcast um, for the network. And we're just, you know, it, it's a softball play, especially with the style that um, older folk in Blacksburg are used to, you could say, where, you know, the, the rule book isn't as gone to as often. So I want to give Mackenzie Clark the benefit of the doubt because Rain said she knows her decently well and that she's just a girl who plays with her hair on fire, but she's a sweet girl, which I'm very certain of. Um, so I don't want to add any controversy or yeah. fuel to the fire. Um, I think the rivalry, like I said, is kind of building itself here. Um, but yeah, that was a wacky play. And as you said, Rittman was not happy. They come out, uh, you know, the, the runners out Rittman, as a matter of fact, I think was also protesting that it was uh fielder's obstruction that mm. Clark should have scored because Bailey was right in the base path. But obviously that was not the case. So yeah, Rittman fires his hat to the ground and was protecting his player. Um, so I'm, I'm not upset. Not that I have a right to be with John Rittman for being upset. Um, whether or not he had a right to be upset, you know? So yeah, then we're, you know, two, three outs into the ball game or whatever it was. And <laughs> we have two ejections already. I mean, it is already, you know, seven and two thirds into the series has already been everything on the bingo card of softball. It was nuts. Yeah, no, it, it really was nuts. And again, you talk about the momentum carried over from game one into game two. It just felt like, because Virginia Tech escaped the jam. They didn't give up a run in the first. Yeah. Second and third, nobody out. They yeah. did not surrender a run. So that was huge. You feel like the emotions are flying high. The crowd is in the game. The crowd was awesome on Saturday, by the way, for the doubleheader. Virginia Tech then proceeds to get three in the fourth. A safety squeeze executed perfectly by Morgan Overitis. That puts Tech up one nothing. Emma Ritter, an RBI single. And then Kelsey Bennett, an RBI single, gives the Hokies the 3 nothing advantage. Morgan Overitis, actually, ironically enough, came into the game for Jamie Bailey, 
who had to leave the game because mm-hmm. of that collision yeah. back in the second, I want to say. She stayed in at the time, eventually lapped. And according to head coach Pete Demore, she's day-to-day. She was not dressed yesterday in the Game 3 loss, but just an all-around great performance by Virginia Tech. Lindsey Grimes, too, you got to hit on her. In the circle was absolutely phenomenal. Just surrendered a solo shot to Jaden Roskowski, who ironically enough took over for Mackenzie uh, Clark, but she was really, really good. Had a really solid start against Florida State the week prior. Really carried the momentum over. Was fantastic against Clemson. Was nails and got the job done for the Hokies to, to take the victory 3-1. Right. So Hokies, you know, they, they take the first two against Clemson. And by two games into the series, my takeaway were, for Virginia Tech in particular, I had two takeaways. One, Jamie Bailey's a baller. <laughs> Um, for her to sp- girl. yeah, for her to spit out blood and then just straw off the field, I'm like, wow. Yeah, that was that was, <laughs> that, was that was pretty uh, that was pretty cool. Um, she's she's definitely a grinder, and that's why she's fit in the the Hokies program for so long. And then Cam Fagan also a baller because what does she do after a walk off home run? She goes two for three with two singles the next game. Yeah, I mean she rakes. I mean to be First fair, inning, all the Hokies into right, uh, right center field. I want to say yeah. First inning, like mm-hmm. her next at bat, 45 minutes later, shot in right center field. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's it's just excellent. And again, a, a coaching masterclass as well. That game outside of the ejections of first was pretty pretty normal otherwise, though. But the final takeaway, Lindsey Grine shined in this mm. series. It is so promising with the way that Lemley has, I don't even want to say struggled. She's just faced really good teams. And, you know, uh, Rain also had another good point of the broadcast. When you're a sophomore, there's more tape on you. Yeah. So. It's awesome to see Grine acting as that secondary arm out of the pen and being really strong. She pitched well against Florida State, although they lost, and then she shut down the show in Game 2 against Clemson. Really promising stuff. And it's an adjustment, too, for Emma Lemley being the number one. Yeah. And it finally feels like Lindsey Grine has slid into that number two role gorgeously. I mean, seven innings pitched, six hits, a run, it was earned. Three walks, five strikeouts. It was interesting, too, because she was in a very, uh, very similar situation last week. And Pete Demore opted to take her out of the game after six. Brought in Emma Lemley. She blows the save. Florida State ends up winning the game. This time, Coach Demore sticks with Lindsey Grind in the circle. It proves dividends. A shutdown seventh inning. She was marvelous, and she was probably one of the stories of the weekend. So that is very, very promising going into postseason play. On Sunday, Hokies end up falling five to four. Tech was leading this one four to one halfway through through five, I want to say, and or through four, I want to say, and it just kind of unraveled late. It kind of, I want to say it can kind of even out from game one. You know, if you're Clemson, you feel like you should win game one up four nothing. If you're Virginia Tech, you feel like you should win up four one. They kind of even out. But again, just just an awesome weekend for Virginia Tech softball. Easily, in my opinion, the best weekend of the year. You take two of three. From the number six team in the land, a team that has been in the top five pretty much throughout the year. You're playing well now. You know, going into this Clemson series, you had lost four straight. You probably weren't playing your best softball, but you have a really, really nice weekend. It is very encouraging to see the Hokies finish up with Liberty in Lynchburg on Wednesday. They then have the ACC tournament. They're going to be the five seed up in South Bend. And then who knows? This team could be very dangerous in a regional. They're probably going to be a two seed and probably going to have to head elsewhere. A regional is likely... Not bound for Blacksburg this year. We'll see what can maybe happen in a super if crazier things, you know, play out. But, you know, Virginia Tech, I think they're going into postseason play, essentially one game left, but they're essentially going into postseason play, playing their best softball of the year, and what better time? 
Yeah, one would say that I cannot help but agree. Ha, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's definitely a good point there. And Rain, again, had great analysis. She had one good point that stuck with me after this series, outside of what we agreed was a possible growth of a rivalry in the ACC, is that when it comes to the committee as compared, you know, the committee with the seating as compared to the actual national rankings, you find that either Clemson's a lot closer to the 24th ranked team in the country or Virginia Tech's a lot closer to the 6th ranked team in the country. Obviously, it's somewhere in the middle. As a matter of fact, I think they could meet somewhere very close to each other in the middle after this week. Now, the standings come out. They come out on Mondays, don't they? You mean the rankings? Yes, sorry. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. I was wrong. They'll they'll jump up. They'll jump up. Yeah, I'd imagine they'll end up very close to each other. I mean, it was a competitive series, even with the first two being taken by Virginia Tech. They weren't easy ones. And so my final takeaway with Game 3, Lindsey Grind finally looked human. The sixth inning is where it came through for Clemson. Uh, Ruskowski was a really nice addition for... uh, um, Rittman uh, for the Clemson Tigers. She stepped in for Clark, hit a solo shot. That was her first home run of the season. Next game the following afternoon, which was yesterday, uh, she went deep with a solo shot again as the second batter in the sixth inning, which started the little bit of the carousel for the, t- the Tigers to take that 5-4 to four lead. So, yeah. yeah, it was back and forth, super competitive. And, and then you have that two-run shot from Reedy Davenport, two at-bats later, where from my angle – looked foul obviously it was fair i also have poor eyesight so <laughs> you you had a better angle though let's yeah. let's talk real quick let's talk about that one that one skied over the left field foul pole yeah how fair was it i thought it was a fair ball yeah i i am surprised that the umpire and crew did not review it because why not review it you know yeah. he thought Gio, it was fair, so Gio Gio thought it was fair. fair. i thought it was very yeah ball. you guys had better angles than me i, I literally definitely. said it was foul on the broadcast which is embarrassing and i said no it's fair <laughs> That happens. That happens. No, I, I thought it was fair ball. I think it was close. I know Kelsey Brown was contesting it was foul, but it gives Clemson the lead. They lead 5-4, and, you know, the rest is history. But, again, really strong series from Virginia Tech. You would have liked to have swept, of course. But at the same time, when you go into a weekend series against the sixth-ranked team in the land, of course you're going to take a series victory, and that's exactly what the Hokies did. So, Awesome job by Virginia Tech on the softball diamond this weekend. It's nice to talk Virginia Tech softball. I know they had been struggling a little bit the last few weekends, and to see them, you know, come through this past weekend and, and do their thing, and probably be back in the top twenty next week. And again, five seed in South Bend in a couple weekends wouldn't shock me if they go on a run, win the ACC. Yeah. You know, it's it's a single elimination tournament. You never know. And I don't know. Florida State seems to be the best team in the ACC, but Virginia Tech they seem right there with Clemson. I think they want to see Duke again after that series earlier in the year. But, you know, huge, huge series victory for Virginia Tech and very nice to see for sure. Yeah, I think by tomorrow afternoon, we'll see five to six teams possibly ranked in the ACC because Louisville's making their jump back up. Um, So they'll probably enter the rankings after this week, too. The ACC is as competitive as it's ever been. But once again, it remains the question, what team can beat Florida State right now? doesn't look like any team can because you had Clemson. They were two in the ACC standings before this series. They got swept. Virginia Tech was a threat early in the season. Then they met the Seminoles. They got swept. Florida State is freaking good, man. So we'll see how that turns out. But like you said, and I agree, I think the Hokies, considering Grind has become that secondary and Jacobson has filled in as a good tertiary arm out of the bullpen as well. Um, the Hokies have a possibility of finding themselves in a super regional for sure after what could be a good run in the ACC tournament. All right, Kyle. Appreciate your time yeah, as always. No problem. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, fun time. I talk a lot, don't I? No, no. It, it was, was a fun series, Hokies though. finish up with Liberty on Wednesday in Lynchburg and then the ACC tournament, which is not this weekend, but the following weekend 
in South Bend. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of TSL Today. Thanks to Chris Hirons and Jivon Heater for hopping on in the first segment to talk tech baseball, and then Kyle Marshak in the second segment. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later this week.